You're listening to the Calvary Presbyterian Church Podcast. It was just two weeks ago that we were here in candlelight to read Luke's account of the beginning of the good news of Jesus that was proclaimed by angels, shepherds, and pondered in Mary's heart. And then last week, we were here when the Magi followed the star to the baby Jesus. If you missed last week, by the way, and need a star word, they're on tables over here. You can still get yours. It feels a little weird, though, doesn't it, to jump from a baby in a manger to a grown man being baptized in the Jordan by John and calling his disciples. It feels like that escalated quickly. And I don't know, maybe life feels like that sometimes. My children are no longer small babies in footy pajamas, awake at 5 o'clock in the morning to see what Santa brought, but sometimes that feels like that was just a few weeks ago when they were. And now here we are, hearing Mark's account of the beginning of the good news of Jesus. As I mentioned when worship began, we know the four Gospels begin differently. Matthew has the wise men, Luke has the shepherds, John, well, John's just kind of his own thing out there, where Jesus is at the beginning of time. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But Mark's account of the gospel of Jesus is the first one that was written down and in circulation. And we don't know if he did not know of Jesus' birth story or if it just wasn't pertinent to the story of Jesus that he wanted to tell. We'll be hearing from Mark's gospel in the coming months until we get to Easter. And in Mark, he already knows the end of the story as he tells the beginning. And it is the story of the cross, not the story of the birth that drives Mark's gospel at its breakneck pace. Mark's gospel is told with the destination in mind. In Greek, the word immediately, or euthus, is used by Mark 11 times in the first chapter of this gospel and 30 more times throughout the next 14 chapters. The people who translate it into English change a few of those immediately's into something else to give you variety when you read it. But you should hear immediately, immediately, immediately. It's the drumbeat of this gospel. And it gets you going all the way to the cross. But even when you're at the cross and at the end, it's the angel's message to the disciples at the tomb that sends his followers back to Galilee completing the circle that began when the beginning of the good news started in Galilee. For Mark, once you know the end of the story, you realize it's only the beginning. And so you want to go back and look at it with new eyes and new understanding to the beginning. We as the church also find our place in this circular story. We hear again and again the story of Jesus and we find new meaning in it each time we hear it. We receive different gifts and insights from the story each time because of where we are on our journey each time. How do you feel about beginnings? We've just started a new year. Often people pick the beginning of a new year to become new people. Or maybe we think we could become completely different people, right? If you listen to resolutions. This is the year I will lose all the weight or I will get organized, or I will exercise every day, even though I haven't exercised a single day in the last year, I will start eating vegetables, right? That is what we say in January. And whatever it is we resolve to do, I do hear hope in our resolutions, but I also hear a little anxiety and perhaps a bit of self-loathing. 
So if you are a resolution setter, I encourage you to begin knowing you are God's beloved child always and already. Beloved is where we begin. It is not what is waiting for us at the end of weight loss or sobriety or running a marathon or whatever it is you're resolving. If you begin with beloved, does it change what you want to resolve? Eating more vegetables because God loves me and wants me to live well is a lot more fun than eating vegetables because I think that love and acceptance is waiting for me on the other side of a year of salads. If I do resolutions, I try to remember belovedness. One year I resolved to eat more avocado. One year I was intentional about writing actual letters to friends. One year I read more poetry. Those were good years. Sometimes at the beginning of a story, we are just ready to say goodbye to our old story. Remember how cathartic it was to say goodbye to 2020? Even though COVID is still with us four years later, we all that year had experienced so much loss, so much death, so much division, so much anxiety, so much grief. It was just a relief to see it in the rearview mirror. 2020, of course, also had gifts in it. It's the year that I moved here to be with you, a gift for which I'm thankful every day. And life is like that, full of challenge, full of gift, all at the same time. Mark's gospel begins with the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ. It doesn't say it begins with the ending of the bad news or the completion of all that is good. It is a beginning. And in Mark's account, you get John the Baptist gathering large crowds and baptizing a, bap a baptism of repentance. Jesus, too, is baptized with John with the heavens parting and the divine voice proclaiming, You are my son, the beloved, and in you I am well pleased. I don't think we can ever hear that voice enough. And maybe, especially right after the holidays, we need that reminder that we are God's beloveds and that God is well pleased. Isn't that the lesson of Christmas? God chose to become one of us, to be one with us. God didn't do that because God hated us. God became one of us because God so loved the world. The Christmas story in Mark's gospel is telling us that God is telling a new story and the work of Christmas needs to begin immediately. So Jesus calls his disciples immediately, and immediately they leave their nets and their lives and their families, and they follow. Howard Thurman was an African-American pastor born in the segregated South at the dawn of the 20th century. He was a mentor to Martin Luther King Jr. and other leaders of the civil rights movement. And here is something he said that speaks about the call to do the work of Christmas. He said, when the song of the angels is stilled and when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, and when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among people, to make music, in the heart. The disciples encountered Jesus not as a baby in a manger as the shepherds and the magi had, but as a grown man calling them to join him in the work of Christmas, announcing the beginning of the good news. And we sit here a week into a new year and we hear the call of Jesus to get busy with the work of Christmas and it seems a little daunting perhaps, but I offer to you the disciples as a point of encouragement. 
Because what did Jesus know about any of their qualifications for ministry when he picked them? They were not very well-educated fishermen from Galilee. Jesus had not ever seen their theology test scores. He didn't know anything about their public speaking skills. He didn't ask if any of them could fix a computer or play praise songs on a guitar. He didn't want to know if any of them were tenors. He just called them. <laughs> Got to see if they're listening sometimes behind me. It appears that the best qualification to join in the work of Christmas happened to be that they answered the call when Jesus walked by. The birth of God in Bethlehem is a reminder that God is inviting us to a new story, one where people are called beloved, where people are called to repent, where people are called to return to what God is dreaming for them. Are you willing to answer if God walks by you while you are in the busy work mending your nets? If you are certain that you don't have what it takes to answer this call from Jesus, it's okay. Remember, you are first called beloved and then called disciple. We don't become disciples in our search to be loved. We are always and already loved by God. And God will give you what you need, but not before you need it, unfortunately. The disciples left behind their nets, their boats, the tools with which they surrounded themselves and had some level of competence and began the work of Christmas and God provided. In the coming months, you're gonna be hearing the stories of how these people, random people sitting by their fishing boats, become God's disciples. Imagine what their friends and families thought when they walked away from fishing and took to preaching and healing. As you consider the beginning of the good news, remember it begins with beloved, and remember that you are God's beloved. Yes, you. And with you, God is well pleased. Amen. Join us for worship every Sunday at Calvary Presbyterian Church on Fillmore Street in San Francisco. Or watch our live stream at calpres.org slash worship.